Holy mother of pearl. It's that nigger that went and hit me on the head with a shovel. Now, what the hell do you think you're doing with that tin star, boy? Watch that boy, shit, redneck. You talking to the sheriff of Rock Ridge. Well, now, if that don't beat all. Here we take the good time and trouble to slaughter every last Indian in the West, and for what? So they can appoint a sheriff that's blacker than any Indian. I am depressed. Excuse me, Mr. Taggart, sir, but I sure do hate to see you like this. What if me and the boys was to shoot that nigger dead? Would that pep you up some? That might help. Episode 72 of the Cult of Matt Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. Make sure to visit our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news? Any show news? No, not too much show news, but uh, boy, I sure did like our last movie. That was a blast. Oh, The Dark Crystal. It's it's like it was just yesterday. I know. Uh, How's your, by by the way, how's your Memorial Day going? Uh, It's pretty good. It's nice to have a three-day weekend and uh, do some memorializing. Uh, What are we supposed to memorialize? I always forget. Well, it was was originally Armistice Day, correct? To uh, mark the end of the great war oh but then i okay. think it was converted into memorial day i'll, I'll probably go to the cemetery i've been looking for an excuse to get out there so i'll probably check it out to be a reverend I, I always get you know there's a lot of these kind of uh soldier holidays and there's memorial day there's veterans day uh, is there another one i'm missing uh i don't know maybe flag day i, I don't think i get that off of work so i never really pay much attention like to it pow day do we got that day Anything well like i that? think there's a maybe a month to highlight pow mia sort of issues like that has like parades you know fireworks yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure when that is though anyway uh happy memorial day all uh this week our film is the 1974 mel brooks classic blazing saddles plot rundown real quick the ultimate western spoof a town where everyone seems to be named johnson is in the way of the railroad in order to grab their land Hedley lamar a politically connected nasty person sends in his henchmen to make the town unlivable after the sheriff is killed the town demands a new sheriff from the governor Hedley convinces him to send the town the first black sheriff in the west bart a sophisticated urbanite who will have some difficulty winning over the townspeople uh, so <laughs> I, I'm going to say this right now watching this. I think uh, Quentin Tarantino stole a little bit out of Blazing Saddles for Django Unchained. Uh, you really you think so? Well, especially the scene where, uh, who's it? Who's the who's the black sheriff, Bart? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Black Bart. Uh, you know, he shows up in his pimped out leather, what do you call that kind of, I call it, it's like an Indian it's, leather. It's suave. I mean, it's suede. Is that really suede? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was suede. You know, it's the sort of soft stuff. You make jackets out of it. The problem with suede is, uh, it really, uh, boy, it gets stained easy, and uh, you really don't want it to get wet either. It's real. It's a real delicate fabric. Not really so what you want saying... to be running around in a uh, in a onesie in the old west. Yeah, uh, and he has his Gucci saddlebags, uh, and then he changes outfits like midway through. And it's like a satin sheriff's outfit. When he's, he's uh, looks good. He's a good looking fella. He, they really got him decked out. You haven't seen Django Unchained, have you? No, no. I saw Django. I remember the powder blue suit uh, that yeah, Django yeah. was wearing. Yeah, you don't think that was a bit of a nod? I don't know. Uh, it it might have been. It might have been. Uh, I think okay. that 
when you're talking about Tarantino, is he's nodding all over the place. You can nod out. He he knows more about movies than you ever will, right? Uh, I think he has too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have that kind of time to devote to no, no, no. Uh, pop culture. I'm afraid. Uh, so yeah. Mel Mel Brooks. My parents absolutely fucking loved Mel Brooks. I mean, I remember back in the early days of VCRs and those shitty uh, record player things that we've we've talked about before. You know, with the uh, it was like a record player, video player. I don't know what they were called. Oh, that's right. You were uh, telling that, but it's like a magnetic. Oh, it's a magnetic disc, like a record, but it's yeah. magnetic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never saw one in purpose, and, but you had one. You had Mel Brooks movies? Uh, well, we would rent the whole player. These were those days. Um, and my parents would always just, I mean, every time we would like rent movies there at the beginning of the whole early 80s home movie rental thing. Uh, there'd always be like a Mel Brooks thrown in there, whether it was like Young Frankenstein, uh, the producers, you know, Blazing Saddles. My parents just could not get enough of fucking Mel Brooks. Uh, so, uh, you know, I wa- I watched this, and it's funny movie. It's it is funny. It has a lot of, but I think it's not as poignant as it was back in the early seventies. I think, uh, you know, this was what this co-written by Richard Pryor. Was that it? Or Richard Pryor had some something to do with the the film? Yeah, Richard Pryor uh, is credited as writing the screenplay. Oh, and Richard Pryor is sort of credited with taking the word nigger back. Uh, you know, uh, taking ownership, the black community taking ownership of that word, and and so that's now, why all of us can finally use that word openly today without feeling any discomfort. That's right. Yes, us uh, pasty white, fish belly white. Uh, suburban americans can go around shouting that word at the top of our lungs so thanks Richard yeah Fryer. i'm a nigger I appreciate it mm-hmm. exactly so and this movie uses it uh not as much as i would say django and chain but as the intro there we heard it quite a bit uh i don't know how prevalent that word was in cinema or if it was ever used in cinema uh especially for comedic effect i, I guess maybe that's one of the uh, revolutionary things about this film that added like a huge amount of humor to it. I don't know. Thoughts? Well, this this movie has. Uh, I I don't know. This just seems like really the epitome of Mel Brooks's style. And when you watch his other movies, you can see he does the same things over and over again. He doesn't have a huge amount of range. It's just more dippy. The comedy. I don't know if he's he's making a more of a social comment. I guess you're right in this film about the the way different races are uh, treated and how they're uh, sort of the well, stratification of society. Because there's a lot of times with the, the chinks, you know, and the, yeah. all the railroad workers and uh, just sort of the abuse of the poor from socioeconomic standpoints. Speaking of and, chinks, I have a little anecdote. When I was uh, working up in Alaska, uh, there was these – there was the cannery – which is kind of the the big, you know, big chunk of the the plant I was at, and then I was working in the in the fish freezer, and the fish freezer was like the high grades of salmon were processed for the dinner table essentially. But there was the cannery, and that was sort of low grade pink salmon was processed there. And since they don't care about any sort of aesthetic appeal because they're just mashing the, the fish into a can, um, there's this gigantic red behemoth 
of a machine that had like a fish hopper on one end and then it would crank out like sort of these really raggedy looking uh, cleaned fish at the other end and they called it the mechanical chink and mm-hmm. it was loud and and uh, really obnoxious and you know I didn't think anything of it and I was like chink oh that must be because that's like the sound it makes you know it makes like a mechanical chink chink sound you know as it's mm-hmm. as it's it has these belts and chains and stuff and then I asked I think an old timer somebody had been up there for a while I was like why is this thing called the mechanical chink I think it may have even been the the uh, engineer that was working the place and it's like oh because chinese used to work these factories and they've been replaced by this gigantic mechanical uh machine so it was funny that like you know this was i don't know 1995 and they were still referring to a machine as the mechanical chink uh well it, i mean it, as i say i think it's almost been lost i mean you of all the uh social i mean the of all the racial slurs that's just one that doesn't get used. I guess I mean, it just who, kinda... who uses that? You you got to be a serious redneck to use the word chink to describe somebody of Eastern Asian descent. Even though I guess it was, it must have been broadly applied. Though I think it must have been, it must have been somehow derived from the word China or Chinese. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the history I, of it. I don't either. But I mean, I was kind of you know here in my my college days my politically aware college days i was like well that's like calling a cotton gin a mechanical nigger that's terrible you know i was Did just they call couple... cotton gins that no no I was just oh well. using it as reference you know and i was like oh my god you know this is how can we you know endure calling this thing the mechanical chink but uh yeah maybe it's just a fossilized uh racial slur that you know just uh so old and irre- irrelevant now that uh, yeah i guess I guess n- nigger's still relevant, but it seems like chink really isn't. I mean, I I don't know why you would ever. It seems like any any of the various East Asian populations, there seems to be very little. Um, is there much racism uh, there oh, these days? Well, there's terrible words for Vietnamese because uh, that was uh, that's pretty recent in our memory. You know, uh, was, the, was was chink? Was it only Chinese people? I think it was. Yeah, there's something with. You know, China, chink, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it had oh. some. Hmm. You know, we always parody how Chinese people talk, and I think Rosie O'Donnell got in trouble for that once. Oh, she did? I mean, I hear parodies of, like, Japanese, how Japanese people talk. That's sort of the, uh, sort of, it's more fresh in the American uh No, I'm thinking, like, more the, of World War Two in the, but really, what? More I mean, like what the, did, the ching chong, ching ching chong ching. You know, oh, that, that that's right. Thing. Yeah, there was a, a South Park that did that. Yeah, I think yeah. one time. And that's yeah, strange. That's like that. the only culture that you're outwardly racist when you attempt to mimic the sound of the language. I was that's kind of kind of wild. Well, you me. know, Mandarin does have a, a certain sort of musicality to it because. Uh, the uh the just the importance of uh the way the syllables are accented in the language it's something different from english so i think it sounds a little different to people's ears that's why people yeah but i'm pretty that. sure uh it's a little disrespectful to uh, uh chalk up an entire language to to syllabic <laughs> I don't know. yeah yeah i was wondering what uh like these uh germanic languages like english sound to uh east asian there must be some sounds people make to sort of yeah. imitate Guttural yeah, I think it is. It's it's, it's marbly mouth, like. I think that's how English is. 
parodied amongst uh, yeah, I think cultures. so because the uh, our language doesn't really put much emphasis on uh, um, on uh, uh, syllables and how how they're spoken with an up or down no sound no uh, yeah so in that respect I I guess maybe um, yeah because the the, the Chinaman. Is Chinaman bad? In the parlance of our time, dude, I don't think Chinaman is acceptable. Is that Asian American? Chinaman. That's another one that's not acceptable. That's weird. We never call anybody else a min, you know. Uh, uh, Turkman? Turkman's still fine, isn't it? Yeah, or that's it a Turkish? little esoteric, though. I mean, how many Turkmen have you run into in the world? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I guess not very many. I think Turkman's an ethnicity. Chinaman, I'm pretty sure, is a... Uh, poorly at least poorly thought out euphemism you know so anyway but uh, the chinese guy labor dies and says something about the chink and then uh slim pickens then orders the black guys to go to the end of the line and see if there really is quicksand there and then oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. so this movie I, I was watching it and it's parodying western movies it's not parodying necessarily uh, the U.S.'s expansion west, or maybe it's doing uh, both. Oh, I think it's making certainly making a commentary on it. That's why I picked the uh, the beginning of uh, the beginning audio I did. I just always love making people remember how the Native American peoples were slaughtered by the Europeans. Yeah, I think it's important. Just to you got to people don't like to think about it, but I always like when people bring it up. Well, I think about it a lot. I think about how it's like I think Chris Rock made some joke about, you know, have you ever been to an Applebee's and seen a Native American family sitting there having dinner together? He's like, I haven't ever seen one. You know, I don't even know, you know, who they are or where they're at. Uh, the interesting thing is, well, then you have Mel Brooks as an Indian chief speaking Yiddish in that one scene. Oh, yeah. What what did you think of the the Yiddish Mel Brooks? What do you think? What point was he making speaking Yiddish? Was he making a commentary that uh, the sort of the Eastern European Jewish community is marginalized like the uh, Native American community? Uh, no, I don't. Maybe I haven't a clue. Uh, maybe that just went under the radar. But maybe um, he was just making just <coughs> doing the old uh, white man in red face bit. Well, uh yeah, I didn't think it was I think, that. I didn't think I didn't think that was one of the stronger scenes in the movie. No, but I was going to say that it's interesting in our day and age, you can still parody the American Indian and without any repercussions. Um, you can actually put, like, for fuck's sake, we still have the Washington Redskins. I mean, come on, uh, that that one always blows me away. Uh, we also have uh, the Cleveland Indians with the probably the worst racial depiction of any uh you know group of people uh, i mean have you ever seen the cleveland indians it's fucking atrocious well look that, have you ever seen the uh usc trojans guy that little uh that little comical trojan that they have it's a trojan man that's like an ancient greek war well, that's what ancient, i'm saying that yeah. the the uh they, the Native Americans were so effectively marginalized that they might as well be a people from the ancient world as far as the modern consciousness sees them. Yeah. Until and you so do you what I did. as that. much fun as you want about Romans and whatnot because there are no Romans. 
well, that's how I know. Even though there are plenty of Native Americans, the popular consciousness of the U.S. doesn't see them. Just like you don't see them at at Applebee's. I took a I, look. I, I went up. A, I went up to, to the Leo Casino last week. First time I've ever been there. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I saw one Native American person there. It was a bunch I, of uh, chubby white people working there. I and playing uh, there. Right. I took a wrong turn heading out to my uncle's place once and he lives out on the Olympic Peninsula. And I drove on to what's left of the Port Gamble Clallam Indian Reservation. Dude, if you if if your analogy's right, it was like driving down a road filled with uh poverty-stricken Trojan warriors. Uh it was just it was the third world. I mean, it was bad. It and the, they're not gone. Indians are not wiped off the face of the planet. They're they're living on the edges of our society in more or less uh, third world slums. So we still have them. We just don't pay yeah. attention to them. Like if you're more than a 16th Indian, man, you just can't make it today. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. I, I tried to get uh-huh. scholarship money once because I'm a 16th. That's how bad. That's how bad it is. So uh, uh, one anyway. of my aunts is Native American. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so. I mean, the thing is, it just was so complete, and I just like bringing it up to make people remember it. Yeah, it, we shouldn't really. It was it was your great-grandparent and your great-great-grandparent that was doing it. Mm, doing what? Killing the Indians. Oh, well, they were Indians as well, so there you have well, it. Well, they were killing each other then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, but the the thing I was thinking about watching Blazing Saddles was, were there any black folks in Western cinema? I'm pretty sure there wasn't. That's why this was so maybe poignant or funny, uh, because there's, like, black folks. There's a black main character as uh, in a Western. And I, I guess maybe that's the big joke, and that's, uh, you know, um, at the time. Well, because I mean, the... African American people were heavily marginalized as well as that time at that time. And I think maybe the only reason they're not marginalized, I mean, certainly not anywhere near the extent they were back in the times this happened late 1800s is that uh the civil rights movement and the just simply the number of African American, what is it like 20% of the population, they couldn't continue to be marginalized like the native Americans are today. Well, I'm talking about cinema specifically and Western cinema. Well, I think they, I think they probably were marginalized as well. I mean, we think about when was the Western's heyday? What the fifties? Yeah, fifties, sixties. And there was, I mean, there was huge racism still in those days. I mean, institutionalized well, marginalization of African Americans. Like I grew up in the era, you know, with like Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven that has Morgan Freeman as a prominent uh, character in that, and there's really no mention of his race in that film all, all yeah that that's much. probably not how it would have been in the west maybe I'm and so watching this you know i it's you have to kind of put yourself in the era because um, comedy is is topical i mean it's, it's significantly topical uh I, I i assume the purists would argue otherwise but you know for this movie to be super funny back then this that had to be the case there had to be like basically zero black actors in Western film. And so injecting that into the film probably added a level of humor that uh, made this a lot more hilarious 
I mean, that that's a big that's a big uh, part of this movie is the way people treat uh, Bart. I mean, one of the the funnier moments is when uh, the the next day after uh, uh, Bart starts to uh, try to get friendly with the townsfolks, he goes out and that old woman calls him a nigger. And he yeah. goes back to the sheriff's office, and he's depressed. And Jim goes, and you just got to remember, these are simple, simple folk. You know, they're they're country people. They're farmers. They're common folk. In other words, morons. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I <laughs> I always think of. And I don't think of that line, but that's what I think of when uh, right-wing nut jobs start talking about like the real America, you know, uh, I always think, Oh, you mean, you mean the racist, dumb, moronic, ignorant America. Okay. Well, maybe you're just think of Gene Wilder saying that in other words, morons, whenever you hear that on right wing talk shows. (laughs) Oh, I get sick of of that. They make a lot of jokes in this movie. Yeah. Black experience. Like, uh, here's one right here. This is one of my favorite black jokes. You shifty nigger. They said you was hung. And they was right. (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty good. I didn't catch that one. I love that. I love that joke. That cracks me up. They said you was hung. They was right. I also, (laughs) uh, I also kind of, I was watching this and the, I was getting this, uh, oh, maybe socioeconomic uh, gag. There's the scene with uh, where Mel Brooks is the governor. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, he's saying something about being terrible at our jobs or we got to, we got, we got to do something to protect our phony baloney jobs is what he says. Right. And uh, I assume he was speaking both uh, to himself and the, what's the, what's everybody in the room. Head, yeah. Heady. He- I mean, Headley. He- yeah. And then I was thinking about our current level of kleptocracy and corruption in our, in our government as it sits now. And, oh, I don't uh, know if it's that bad. It's fucking bad. It's really? bad. Uh, oh. corruption's, pr- corruption's pretty minor. What do you want? You want corruption in the private market? You like that better? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, like, to me, like, everybody's self-serving and... Uh, you know, of it's course, a, it's, of course, they are. Everybody's a, self-serving, but I, at least with government, there's some public oversight of that self-servingness. In the private industry, you can be whatever little demonic despot you want to be. And which would you, which do you like better? I don't know. Well, there's no was, accountability in the private market. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's just like Hedley Lamar convincing the governor that they need a black sheriff so they can uh, basically bulldoze the town. You know. Uh, and well, then, he convinced he convinced the government they need a black sheriff so the government so the governor can get on the train of social equality that was becoming more popular in the late 1800s. What was it really? Uh, yeah, because he was going to maybe get a cabinet post because he was going to be a revolutionary oh. in race relations, right? And then uh, then Hedley Lamar is going to send in his uh, thugs to uh, purge the town, and he had a whole uh, I, I a whole string of. I can't even like buggers and beggars and thieves and yeah, you know, I just I want rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, mugs, pugs, thugs, nitwits, halfwits, dimwits, vipers, snipers, con men, Indian agents, Mexican bandits, muggers, buggerers, bushwhackers, hornswagglers, horse thieves, bull dykes, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and Methodists. 
I like wow. the Methodist at the end. Wow. I mean, to all the, the lesbian owners of small pugs, Bull dykes. I, would take, I would take offense to that. <laughs> that was a great, that was just a great uh, just riff. I love and that. And what's a hornswoggler? What the hell is a hornswoggler? No, I have no idea. It must be like a uh, cattle rustler, I'm guessing. A horn swaggler? Oh, man. Yeah, because cattle sometimes have horns. That's just my guess. Oh, a horn? What, a swaggler? Though that's pretty wild. Uh, that was an amazing idea. string, though. That, that was all one. It was. Too. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. And then the I next mean, scene, Harvey Corman is really good in this movie. He's pretty good. I don't know what else he's been in. Uh, I just remember him from the Carol Bonnet show. Oh, okay. I did enjoy, uh, is it David, David Huddleston, who uh, plays the Big Lebowski, I believe. In the oh, Lebowski. yeah. He has a great line, which I don't have here. But um, he goes, uh, he's, he's going, that was authentic frontier gibberish. Remember that line he gives? No. After, uh-uh. there's sort of a, uh, a hick that lives in, in the town who always. Oh, the inaudible yeah, the inaudible guy, and uh, after the inaudible guy gives a, a rousing speech that says he's he was born in this town and God dang, and he's going down this town. The right. Heddleston gets up and goes, "That was wonderful. I think that was uh, really great to see." And uh, he goes, "Not only was that authentic frontier gibberish, but was also brave." Blah 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 blah. I just love that term, authentic <laughs> frontier gibberish. <laughs> authentic frontier gibberish. You know, I, uh, I I I once was working at the rental rental yard heavy equipment rental yard and uh, oh, i love this story i don't know it's I, it's I have many but this is probably one you haven't heard before uh and it must have been like 90 95 degrees that day it's fucking hot and uh anyway this guy and his son show up i don't I forget what they're running and you know the old man gets out and he's in fucking coveralls like seriously like dickies you know carhartt coveralls um and he has that fucker zipped right up to his neck and then i look at him a little closer and you can see like peeking out from from his neck like a little fucking turtleneck like a wool turtleneck (laughs) it is 95 degrees out i mean it's just it's fucking hot and you know the kid seems a few uh you know penny short of a dime and I'm sitting there, and he's like, okay, you know. And the old man talks in some weird banjo dialect. I, I call it banjo. It's like, it's like some like far out, uneducated twang that blew me away. I was like, what? He's like, and then the the kid had to actually almost translate for him because um, he was so inaudible. Like I was like, if you want to talk about what was the word, what was the term that you used? Frontier dialect, authentic frontier gibberish. Yeah, that was some authentic frontier gibberish that guy was spouting. I was like, holy shit, my god! You know, this is what an education buys you—an actual ability to communicate with your fellow man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I thought I thought that I thought that character was pretty good, and he had that pretty good the 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 gibberish guy had that pretty good uh, joke where the he's saying the 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 uh when the bart's first coming into town he's saying he's looking through his uh um uh telescope and he says the sheriff is a nigger and then there's a dong sound i i, I like that guy oh and he's like the sheriff is near yeah. that was the whole thing right 
Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought yeah. that was pretty funny too. Um, There's just a lot of great performances. So by were you how? Hmm. So Go were ahead. you really like howling watching this? Were you laughing a lot? I, I yeah. Didn't... There was there were some parts that I, I enjoyed, Maybe I, I enjoyed I, quite mean... a bit. Yeah. I didn't know if you'd like it. I mean, well, I'm just, just wondering why my parents my parents were knee slapping throughout this whole film, and they share my same sense of humor. Well, it works better uh, if just, there's two people that I'm trying to get at the heart of. Well, does your would uh, would Rose like this movie? She wanted to watch it, but she had other things to do. Yeah, uh, see, I, you know, with comedy, well, okay, it's talk- always funnier in groups. Because I think laughing is is by its nature an old brain social behavior, and if you don't have anybody around, you very rarely laugh out loud. Because the purpose of laughter is to let other people know around you that it's okay. There's something weird happening, but don't worry about it. It's just uh, it's it, it's it doesn't really matter, even though it's strange. And that's that's the that's well, the I've old noticed brain part this of comedy. Watching stand up comedy, uh, when I go see a live comedian which I need to do more of because I really enjoy it typically. I'm always laughing much harder. And even at, at this sort of B, C level comedians. Oh, yeah. It's funny you know. in, in, a, in a theater. It's, it's just that social aspect. Your brain just doesn't want to laugh if it's by itself. It just, there's just no yeah. point and there's no reflex. So I find the, the humor is more internal, but there's not really too much laughing. I laughed a couple times out loud at this movie. Yeah. But... Um, Really, there's, there, there's, your brain doesn't do it because there's no point to it if you're by yourself. So I, don't, I, I, found, I found the humor very entertaining, but I wasn't laughing because I did watch this by myself. Well, I think you, you, you've said it. Um, can't we all agree that farts are funny? I think that was Oh, yeah, and there's some, there's some top-level fart joke in here. Woo! Another, well, great, another great slim picking scene. I, uh, I read in the trivia bit for Blazing Saddles that that was the first time an audible fart had been uh, put into a film. Well, did they actually record a real fart for those sounds? I hope so. I don't know, but the there first was time... was one hell of a Foley artist. <laughs> I guess the joke originated because Mel Brooks had watched a ton of Western film, and they're always drinking, like, coffee and eating beans. And if you want to talk about a more, you know, digestively volatile com- Coction. There probably is none, none other. And he was like, "I've never, I've never associated coffee with farts, beans, obviously." Well, I mean, coffee is, is you know, I don't know how regular, regular you are, but coffee is definitely a stimulator for a bowel. Yeah, well, movement. the, the uh, well, the caffeine can cause bowel contractions. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little, you know, it's a, a stimulant, and so that coupled with a gaseous food, mm, uh, I see, it gets it moving. Yeah, gets it going, and 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 so I guess Mel Brooks is like, how isn't everybody in Western films not farting all the time? So that was his big joke when they're all sitting there eating beans, is they just just would be constantly ripping them around the the, the campfire. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just that's just funny. I just love how Slim Pickens comes out and goes, Wee-wee. yeah, Slim. Pickens I love is, Slim Pickens. I gotta yeah, watch some more Slim Pickens films. I don't know even what he's really been in that much. Uh, there's this. And then there's uh, Doctor Strangelove. And for starters, his name is great. I mean, yeah. Slim Pickens is, uh, man, if you want to talk about an old-timey Western name, you can't get any more. And he's always wearing a cowboy hat in every movie I've seen him in. So right, I, I got a couple audio samples from uh, Slim Pickens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play right. him here. We'll see what we think. Oh! <laughs> 
the better man truly. Now, what'll that asshole think of next? Has anybody got a dime? Oh, yeah. I don't have any. Somebody's got to go back and get a shitload of dimes. Uh, <laughs> I just love the way his, the meter of his voice. And a I thought shitload. That was a, a shitload of dimes. <laughs> I love right. they put that lapetame through away because that was the uh, governor of the territory. And I guess another fart joke, lapetamine is... Uh, what, like French for the fart master or something like that. <laughs> really? I didn't look that up. I don't know. That was like right down in the trivia. Yeah, lapetame was small. It could be it could be small. No, it could be a uh what do you call it? A phonetic joke. I don't, I don't know. It could sound yeah. like something anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh here here's a here's another one of us. Uh, I got it! I got it! What? We'll work up a number six on them. Number six? I'm afraid I'm not familiar with that one. Well, that's where we go riding into town. A whopping and a whopping. Every living thing that moves within an inch of its life. Except the women folks, of course. You spare the women? No, we rape the shit out of them at the number six dance later on. <laughs> a whopping yeah. and a holler, and we raped the shit out of them at the number six dance. <laughs> I don't know. He says it with such uh, integrity. He says it with such like a genuine nature. That's what's he seemed, so funny he about it. He seems so authentic. I just, uh, man, I just, I just love him as Taggart in this in this movie. I just love the different layers. I mean, Hadley is you know taking orders from the governor, and then he's, and then Taggart's taking orders from Hadley, and then like all the rustlers are taking orders from Taggart. I just, right. I just love the the layers of uh, of uh, will as it travels down the the shit slide is is pretty neat plus this it's a straight up rape joke yeah you don't get many rape jokes in the world they're not you really don't get a lot and you know and the funny thing about this movie is there's another rape joke in this film and i'm going to play that? it for you right now next qualifications rape murder awesome and rape you said rape twice i like rape <laughs> 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 yeah wow uh, we've really we've really he raped him i guess uh he killed he killed him he raped oh. him and then he ate him <laughs> that's yeah, the, that one of my funniest the, oh that's jokes true from all our podcasts we get that jarmusch uh joke in dead man where there's a uh i forget the name of the outlaw uh but they talk about how he's a cannibal and mm-hmm. that he killed his parents then he fucked his parents and then he ate his parents <laughs> In that order, I guess. <laughs> That's and, pretty bad. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, two rape jokes, and I found them very funny. I don't, I don't know if that says something bad about me or not. Um, I think it I just... I, love how, I just love how they're delivered. The timing is just really great in this movie. Yeah, it's it's good It's good stuff. I, I'm trying... I mean, it's a farce. This film is a farce, but it's also kind of a satire spoof. It's a little mix of both, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... I always, I always take farces and we've talked about farces the difference you know between farce and satire and stuff in a previous podcast but uh this has a bit of a mix because uh mel brooks is is never one shy of a gag a cheap gag when you can get it uh but there's sort of a level of satire on top of it as well and maybe for the political reasons we've been discussing or uh you know maybe comments on hollywood that are a little opaque to me that uh you know, maybe the Jewish Indian. I don't know. There's yeah, some there. of the Hollywood in jokes, especially near the end of the film, 
are well, not not quite as funny to me like when they go riding around the lot they do like yeah. when the film references itself and then turns back on itself like yeah that. it goes meta the film yeah. totally goes meta there and i don't know is that a the Mel main character is going to see the end of the movie that they're in <laughs> yeah that's a little uh that's a little uh sci-fi actually to be honest it's, it's yeah that, that was pretty cool they did make one uh joke about movies that i didn't get and i tried to look it up online and maybe, maybe you know something about it but um see here who's who's who, i can't remember who delivers this line but the line is i've killed more men than cecil b deville cecil b demille oh DeVille. i did get I, I saw that one in deville or demille no it's cecil b De, oh is it demille is that the name what? of the director it's a famous director he directed like the Ten Commandments. All right, but let me look I, here. I just, um, well, if you don't know it, you don't know it. I just now I'm looking up Cecil B. Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, he did the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Um, Samson and Delilah. And Delilah. Uh, Jesus, a lot of shit back in the 30s and 40s. Maybe he just uh, was a big epic filmmaker. I guess. Like Maybe he killed a lot of extras Cleopatra. or something. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the joke. Oh, you that could be right problem. there. Did he do? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see anything online about it. I thought you might know, but I think that's no, going to remain don't. a mystery for us. Okay. Here's so another mystery I can't figure out in this film. Why is everybody in the town of Rockridge named Johnson? What exactly does that mean? Uh, maybe that's just a like uh, inbred joke, cheap inbred joke. Could that be it? You know that uh, they all live in a town. They're all a bunch of inbreds. Yeah, I guess is that is that all it is? Maybe so. Either that or it's a big Mormon joke. No, I don't know. I don't know. No. no is Johnson a Mormon name? I guess. No, I'm just making shit up. Mm. I don't know. Okay, so I guess that's it. I was wondering if there was something deeper. I, I couldn't quite uh figure that one out. There's um there's the weird German stuff kind of inserted in for gags. Uh you get uh of course the uh vaudeville or the burlesque von stoop yeah von i really the- liked i really liked that musical scene she's tired i, thought, I really thought that uh, i thought that was a pretty good number i mean it was better than any number in showgirls by far and plus we only had to watch it once which is also That's an true. improvement yeah. and i thought I, I thought von stoop was a, a really neat character and I, I love how she's turned out at the end by the black man another black man's yeah. you know yeah. prowess in the bed joke Another, yeah exactly I, I really enjoyed that number i thought that was so, really funny and then there's like the german soldiers and then there's like the kaiser guys come out and do their little song and dance what's yeah. and then you know mel brooks and the producers you know the big flop musical uh springtime for hitler uh, there's like some german gag that mel brooks constantly inserts into his films well, and I think the thing with Brooks is that he remembers that almost most Americans, by far the most common ancestry in America, is German. There's okay, more people of German it? descent in this country than anybody else. We just, I think, it, I think it was sort of whitewashed a little bit during uh, World War II, where people stopped really re- having reverence for their German heritage. But well, uh, that's, I thought that's the most common heritage in this country. Mel Brooks is Jewish, and then I thought, you know, with World War II, there was some kind of – like the uh, Monty Python used Nazis in a lot of their uh, jokes. And they were of the opinion that, you know, as opposed to making Nazis sort of the universal 
evildoers of of our time and our age uh, that we should really just make fun of them because they're deserving of it. You know, they're 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 supposed to. Uh, they should be parodied and made to look ridiculous because that's really the most. Uh, that's the easiest way to, for starters, never forget. And uh, secondly, never forget. And secondly, to really show them for the ridiculous assholes that they were, you know. And so it's making fun of the evil. It's the whole movie. There's a bunch of evil people, and they're all made to look stupid. You might as well yeah. throw Nazis in there too. I think it's more of that. Like we're just throwing all the tropes in. Let's just start shoveling it in. Which I think movie. is more effective than something like Schindler's List. To be honest, I get tired of that. You know, that, 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 yes, we know Nazis are evil. Here they are being mm-hmm. evil again. You know, uh, they should just be made fun of and humiliated. I think, I think this, thing. I think it's maybe the reference is a little more meta in this movie because he's making fun of evil people and he just goes balls out. He's just going to throw every evil person. Like when you just see the lineup of the Klansmen. Yeah, the, yeah. And the Mexican bandits and stuff. Yeah. He's just throwing, he's just throwing the kitchen sink of evil people at you. And I think the Arab sheiks. Yeah, the Arab sheiks. I think he's just. Um, I think he's just. He's throwing everything at the wall just just for the hell of it, just right. to be funny. We're going to put everything, every trope in there, you know, and that's sort of the joke. The buggers and muggers and the hornswoggers. Where's the Where are the white women at? I love that <laughs> line. <laughs> you know, that's funny because I've heard that sampled in a million different <laughs> venues, whether it's like radio or a podcast or something. And I was like, what the fuck? And and, uh, and then it came here. I was like, oh, oh, there it is. There's the joke. You know? Yeah, that is a, that's a funny joke right there. Where the white women at? Where the white women at? <laughs> uh, let's see what uh, Eber has to say. All right, Ebert reviewed this uh, back on February 7th of 1974, before my existence began, amazingly enough. What? You weren't born? Oh, I was alive. I was already kicking around almost a year. So, it's, it's you know, it's not really an inspired review. I thought he didn't talk about the social commentary aspect of the film at all. It's, it's a little disappointing, but he makes a couple of points, and I'll just hit, I'll just hit like, three or four things. So, um, he says... Um, that uh, Mel Brooks is the lifetime president of people who can literally get away with anything. <laughs> he says mm, his comedy okay. operates in areas so far removed from taste that, to coin a, his own expression, it rises below vulgarity. I sort of like that term. Rises below vulgarity. Yeah. <laughs> into in, Down into comedy. Uh, and he says Blazing Saddles is like that and that it mostly succeeds. Uh, he says it doesn't have a lot of classy polish and its structure is a total mess. And he mentions that, uh, like that scene where um, Mongo punches out the horse. Yeah. Which is sort of a, I want Conan's referencing that yeah, I know. a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if that's a trope and I wonder if that's a Western trope for the real bad guy to punch out a horse. Just because, you know, just, yeah, nothing's Just safe. to show how bad he is, he can lay right. a horse out flat. I wonder, or if I wonder if that was just an absurdity that maybe Conan stole from this film. Oh, by the way, I did like, sorry to interrupt, but I did like the, the scene where the uh, bad guys come into the town and uh, <laughs> start laying waste to it. And they uh, drag that one guy by his leg across like the center of town. And, and he's like, oh, I'll have to get a new suit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um one of the hallmarks of Brooks's movies 
movie humor is that he his willingness to embrace excess. And then he talks about the producers, which I guess preceded this film, and I haven't seen. Oh, my parents love the producers. I think I think I might really like the producers. I'll probably have to check that out in my spare time. And he goes on to talk about some other ones of his films. Uh, He does comment uh, that the uh, baked bean scene alone qualifies the movie for some sort of wretched excess award. I'm not sure if he's complimenting it or criticizing it. There. Um. Well, he says Mel Brooks is the master of excess, so yeah, probably complimenting. Yeah, and he didn't really have anything else to say about the film, so a little light, a <laughs> bit of a light review. He does he uh, comment on the man lately. Well, this is 1974, so I don't know. Phoning him in lately. Anyway. Well, lately is uh, in my time frame seeing it. Oh. Uh, he does bring up another rape joke that you missed. Uh, the townspeople decide to make a stand, even oh. though, as the preacher intones, our women have been stampeded and our cattle raped. So. Holy shit, this was a three-rape joke film. Three-rape joke pretty, film. There's probably another one pretty, in the mix. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I didn't go yeah. through with a fine rape comb. I don't. I can't think of another film that has a rape joke in it. Uh, there's Eric the Viking, where Tim Robbins busts into the uh, the the house, and the woman starts questioning him on the uh, the Sisyphean task of his uh, raping and pillaging. And it's like, why do you rape and pillage uh, to fund our next raping and pillaging adventure? You know. So anyway. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of a loose rape joke, but it wasn't as poignant as I think the Mel Brooks versions. Yeah, yeah. no, no, and and funny. Yeah, the seventies was yeah, it was a pretty funny time for rape. You could joke so. about rape, you know. It's yeah, you, you know, it's funny on so many levels. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. It's like fart humor almost. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he doesn't say too much else about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's no, kind I, of I really it. enjoyed it. I was worried that I hadn't seen this for so long that I. That I wouldn't like it. Actually, I was worried you might not like it that much. Um, to be honest, I you're not too I, crazy I, I, about Brooks. Well, well, I'm not a big Mel Brooks guy. I, yeah. I've seen like you know Spaceballs, which should have been really made specifically for me uh, as sort of a child. Yeah, that Star wasn't as good for sure. Um, I think I was treated to Mel Brooks movies too early as a kid. Uh, like I remember watching this movie. I think as a kid, the only thing I found funny about Blazing Saddles was uh, Mongo and the fart joke. Because that's all there really was for a kid, all the innuendo and nuance and you know sociopolitical context was lost on me. Uh, so as a kid, you're just kind of looking for you know anything silly or ridiculous. Uh, the producers, I, as a kid, you know, watched it with my parents, n- nothing stuck. Um, didn't find it funny and young Frankenstein, same thing. So I think as a kid, it's, it's cemented kind of Mel Brooks in my head as maybe not being funny. So maybe I was mm-hmm. prejudiced coming into this viewing again. Uh, also I think that, like I said, comedy is topical and, uh, you know, this is, uh, what 40 years in the past. So it's, it's, you know, we've kind of, no, I, I think this movie is, I think this movie is pretty timeless. I mean, there's only a couple jokes, like maybe the uh, joke about Randolph Scott that people won't get because they're not familiar with that actor. Wow, I didn't even get it. What's that about? Oh, he's just a famous uh, Western hero. He played oh. tons of Westerns as the as the hero. And, okay. Uh, and uh, he uses that name to uh, 
uh, get the uh, Bart uses that name to get the towns invokes his name to get the townsman on his side by sort of equating himself with this great actor that was a hero in westerns. Is there any other western comedies you can think about? I, I can't really think of any. I'm trying to. Uh, think. No, I, I I think that's one of the things that makes this movie better is because it doesn't it takes a, a genre that's not really conducive to comedy and makes a comedy out of it. Yeah, there's like there's I can't even think of one. Uh, no, well, I mean, there's like some ones that are kind of ridiculous and, uh, I don't know, campy, like the quick and the dead by Sam Raimi. But I, I, I don't know if that really, that's not really a comedy per se. Yeah. Um, or a farcical comedy. I mean, that's, that's, I think if you try to make a farcical Western, uh, you would be immediately labeled a blazing saddles imitator and, uh, written off, I think. Yeah. I think that's the genius of this film is because. It's like this one movie that almost could only be done once. You have to have the idea, then you have to execute it. And he did. And I think the social commentary keeps this movie fresh and funny and timeless. Well, I think the last Mel Brooks, I actually saw Mel Brooks movie in the theater, I remember. Uh, And it was uh, Life Stinks. I don't know if you remember Life Stinks. I think it was his last, one of his last films. And it was a... It was a uh, comedy about homeless people. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I, I, it's it seems, and I, I think it got panned. I don't think it was. It was. Uh, uh, I think it went too far on the whole uh, nothing sacred thing with uh, Mel Brooks. You know that he could make fun out of it. He only got twenty percent. Um, I haven't watched <laughs> anything newer than uh, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That pretty oh, much yeah, turned he did me do off that. to any latter, uh, latter day Mel Brooks so, films. So, 1991 was when Life Stinks came out, and here's the little, uh, I guess, the little tag on it. If a comedy is to be made from the plight of the homeless who have to scrape through their days returning deposit bottles and cleaning car windshields to get their daily bread, as the rich get richer from and more heartless, it may be may as well be Mel Brooks' Life Stinks. <laughs> I guess maybe that was just a, a line too far. Uh, yeah. You know, you can make fun of uh, racial inequality and uh, our uh, shameful history as Americans. But, you know, even though we still treat the homeless like shit and third class citizens, when you start making a film that maybe exploits or exposes that, then uh, you've gone too far. It's weird how well, every, everybody everybody has their line. I guess it I know, but it, it's person. real. It's you know I've been since it's actually became more of a topic. Uh, maybe life stinks is more prescient, but uh, nobody really likes to talk about income or wealth inequality in this country, especially those who are on the uh, the have ends or the have nots. So no, neither uh, side likes to talk about it. Not weird. People just don't like to talk about it. Isn't that weird? Like we like to talk more about well, race than we do. Well, what are you? What are you supposed inequality. to talk about? I mean, if you talk about Wealth inequality, you really have to talk about uh, wealth redistribution. And that's just like so many people, whether you're poor or rich in this country, don't like to talk about it. They don't like to talk about wealth dis- redistribution. And I, think I don't it's know. Important. It's a, I think it's something that the country needs to do a, a bit more of. And, it's like uh, the last no, no, everything's cow. in entitlement. I don't, it's just it's, it's, it's something you can really only do in certain parts of Europe. And the rest yeah. of the world says you know, if you're poor, fuck you. Work harder. Man, 
I, I've had to shut off like every other Adam Carolla podcast I've been listening to lately. He has such a chip on his fucking shoulder about, uh, I guess, lazy or poor people. Um, and well, I think it's something that people who are get newly rich, they have that feeling. They hate poor people. It's sort of like Reagan. Rated, Reagan hated poor people. Well, But Reagan was a self-made man. He came from a poor family. And the thing that they fail to realize, at least Adam Carolla fails to realize, is that he is not part of the criticism. He, that criticism is not for him. It's for, I guess, as uh, Warren Buffett would put it, dynastic wealth. And Yeah, the people, you complain about his kids. His kids are going to be insufferable shits. Yeah, I somehow get the impression that Adam Carolla, I mean, he's probably doing really well, but he's he, he he's not in, uh, I would call it, a Buffett-caliber position. No, and, I bet um, his, his wealth worth is probably, his total worth is probably like maybe, maybe $30 million. Oh, if. Because yeah. he owns some property. No, he owns several properties. Oh. So. Anyway, but I, I always get sort of, uh, I guess, angry when i hear him go on as i was like we're not they're not criticizing you adam carolla uh, that's not who that's levied against although it seems like you know everybody likes to be a victim and that's fun but that's not who uh i guess the naysayers are criticizing i would never throw him in with that lot uh, i would throw uh the 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 folks of dynastic wealth into that the people that um aggregate wealth and uh aren't self-made like the, like the, the bushes the bushes you know um the the buffets although he's he's allegedly not uh, the waltons he, he, the waltons yeah you know those kind of folks and there's a whole ton of those kind of folks like heirs to fortunes of you know shit like uh the getty fortune or you know the turn of the century robber barons and all that good stuff but Anyway, so maybe I should watch uh, Mel Brooks' Life Stinks and uh, see if there's any uh, poignancy to uh, his answer to the to the Reagan era. Maybe that's uh, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's uh, enabling the homeless and not making fun of them. Who knows? So anyway, but that was kind of his last film, and uh, it didn't do well. And I think he didn't really get much uh, opportunity to do any other films past that. So. Anyway, uh, do we got anything else? Anything else nope. here? All right. What's up next uh, here, Matthew? So next week we're going to do Sofia Coppola's uh, The Virgin Suicides. Oh, God, that's a funny movie. That's hilarious, <laughs> oh. dude. It has oh, virgins shit. and suicides. And suicide. My two favorite things. I know. Yeah. Uh, no, it's an interesting film. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it has a lot going on in it. And... Um, I think it speaks – it'll be interesting to talk about because I think it speaks to my preconception about girls when I was back in high school, um, not really thinking – idealizing them as opposed to actually understanding them or a kind of – they seem like ephemeral sort of creatures, like little pixie angels because they were so intangible to me as a high schooler. So maybe that's uh, – it'll be interesting to talk about it. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it has an excellent soundtrack too. So Yeah, by air. Yeah. By air, yeah, the, the French duo air. So it's a little shorter podcast than usual, but, uh, you know, we don't want to waste too much of your time. So until next week. What the hell was that shit? 